garbage time. Hey, welcome everybody to another Garbage Time Basketball Podcast, NBL Wrap-Up episode. Apologies, I haven't been saying welcome everybody in previous episodes of these, but got to start saying it again. We've got drama in Cairns with the shot clock failure, aircon failure, and to go along with that, an amazing finish to that game. Are the Illawarra Hawks a different team under Justin Tatum? They snapped the Wildcats' winning streak. DJ Vasiljevic gets fined for comments about the refs last week. And Will Cummings sacked from the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix lineup by himself. And the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix have recently announced adding. Abdel Nader, a 200-game NBA veteran. I don't know if you'd really call that a veteran, but anyway, they add Abdel Nader, who won't be joining the team just yet. Hasn't played in two years, but his potential to be a good fit at Southeast Melbourne is quite high in my opinion. So without further ado, let's get into this week's recap of the NBL. Round 10, NBL 24. Let's go. Kick back. Adams straight back to Valentine. He's hit one. Make that two. And the Kings hot early from the outside. Sydney Kings. The dream start for the Sydney Kings. Adams from the three-point line doing what the Taipans have struggled to do. Meninga straight through the middle. Gets that one to go. A much-needed bucket and one. McCall gets it to Antonio outside the sniper. That they one's come. good. Gets it into the MVP contender's hands. He's going to go all the way to the rack. Oh, up and under. Jalen Adams, thank you very much. Got a bit of a delay here, folks. They're just trying to figure out the shot clock, which is non-existent at the moment. I'd say that it shouldn't bother both these teams with the speed they play. They like to get shots up pretty quick, but it does need to be fixed. You can see above the, the backboard there that... Sydney will be shooting at it. It's also down the other end. There is no active shot clock. Oh, Adams with a quick step back. Gets that one to fall, and the Kings have picked up where they started off. Oh, hello, Antonio. Back to back. About to get another go at it. Tui down the middle of the floor. Gets it denied upstairs by Wardenberg. What a block from Sam Wardenberg. There's another block there from the Taipans. They just flick this switch, and they go on these runs as Antonio. Right now, it is hot and sweaty. There's missed free throws, there's no shot clock, but we love the game and let's keep hooping Paul Kowal. Let's go! For the dream start for the Taipans. Why not? Come on. Oh, hello. That's a Clintman from the corner. Sydney Kings, there is no shot clock in this game. Keep Coaches on, players on. have agreed to play in the spirit of the game. Oh boy. But right oh, now it appears. Right now it appears that the Sydney Kings have gone against that original promise. Adams through the paint. Gets all the way in and gets the bucket. Too strong down low for the perennial MVP candidate. Fighting back all game. Looking to send it to OT. They'll oh. take the easy two. Okay. Miller upstairs, turns his back to a one-point game. Way into the paint, he's had success all night. Through the middle, Callaway with the biggest defensive possession of the night. It's going to happen, isn't it? Split a pair. Don't say it, Pete. It's going to happen. Three-point lead for the Sydney Kings. No advancing the ball. They're going to have to take it the full length of the floor. He's going to hit it. I feel it. He's going to hit it. I feel it in my fingers. It's just been a crazy night. He can run. Here we go. Jonah Antonio to overtime. 
One last shot just takes too long. Oh, I knew he would get it, it to go, too but unfortunately. Oh. I think it counts. And as expected. Oh, After my. the siren, oh, I take one of my fingers. There is not a thing this game lacked. We can't even see the shot clock. Oh, you can look at the backboard. You see there, it was a lot closer than what it looked in real time. Jonah Antonio just takes one <laughs> extra dribble and the bank was open. The red light in the backboard is that ball is still in his hand. You just knew it was going in. What a game. What a night. For some extended context on that game, let's hear edits from the Sydney and Cairns post-game press conference immediately after the game. Yeah, it was obviously kind of one of a kind. I don't think many of us have played in that kind of environment and having that sort of stuff go on, but they're the ones you remember um, later down the track, so I think kind of learn from that and understand if we can play through that, we can play through pretty much anything. I have not, you know, obviously. Um, that was the first time I've ever been a part. I've ever seen anything like that. Yeah, it was... <laughs> <laughs> no other words. That was the first time I've ever seen, heard anything like it. But, yeah, like you said, it was one, one for the ages. And I'm just glad, like I told the guys I have, I'm glad nobody got hurt. Yeah, with the shot clock and all that, like with the agreement that came together, do you feel like there was, um, what were your thoughts on the agreement? Do you think that was the best outcome for this game? Yeah, you know, like I said, I mean, the game, to be able to complete the game without any injuries, um, you know, obviously it's easier said than done and we won and people say, hey, this is why he's saying it. But like I said, that was my biggest concern. I think the guy sat close to an hour during halftime. I feel like the floor was slippery. Um, guys start to slip and slide. So it's just more so long term. But like I said, it was, it was one hell of a game. I'm glad the fans stuck around, you know, for that. But it was fun. Yeah, obviously it was a crazy game. Um, it's kind of hard to process it. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's a, you go from a high to a low, you know, you, you think the shot's good, but it's not. But um, we had a good fight and we came back, cut it down. You know, we tied the game, it could have been a blowout. So we got a good fight in our team. I think we can just build off that. I mean, that game had everything, right? In a sense of like an hour long halftime and, and we came out sluggish again to start the third and the aircon was off so it was hot and again credit to, to Sydney you know there was a lot of discussions at halftime and this is where I'm going to give credit to Sydney was I don't know if I was in their position where I'm up 11 or 10 or whatever it was at halftime and you know I'll be arguing the case a little bit more which they, which they know they wanted to play in the, in the sense of sportsmanship and gamesmanship and that's what the NBL wanted to do and we wanted to play because we were down so if the game gets called they win so credit to them it was I uh, appreciate the amazing sportsmanship uh, shown by all of them guys and uh, yeah game had everything right so it's a bit to absorb Have you ever been part of a game like that before? Never and hopefully never again that was interesting. I don't know if that was the best game and the worst game. Yeah, no, never been part of that. Um, but again, credit to Sydney. They could have, if they wanted to, just dribbled the whole game clock out, but they didn't. They played. Um, so, um, yeah, hopefully we don't have to experience that again. No, the shot did not count just after the buzzer went. Jonah Antonio makes the 30-foot bank shot, but it was after time expired. The red light was on before the shot left his hands. And in one of the craziest games to occur in NBL 24, the Sydney Kings eke out a victory by three points after the three-point bomb by Antonio was waved off at the end. 
There was technical difficulties all over the shop, up in Cairns at the convention centre there. The aircon wasn't working. The shot clock failed to function. There was an extended break in play at halftime while the teams decided amongst themselves what they wanted to do. Both teams elected to play on. The game could have been called where it was, which had Sydney leading the game. But they played on and it was one of the nuttiest finishes of the season so far. Ugh. Wow, so we're seeing why Adam Ford is going to be one of the top candidates for Coach of the Year. He continues to alter the lineup depending on who is available and what matchups present themselves. Patrick Miller, he led the Cairns squad with 22 points on 10 of 17 shooting. Had the ball ripped away from him by Jalen Galloway. It looked like he was going to get a shot at the basket in the paint, but an excellent defensive play by Galloway gave possession back to Sydney. Bobby Clintman, the next star, he had 13 points on 5 of 11 shooting, along with 4 rebounds and an assist. Tajir McCall unfortunately fouled out with quite some time remaining in the game and shot horribly from the free throw line. Two of nine from the stripe as a team. Cairns left points on the table, shooting 48% as a team. They will certainly rue those missed free throws given the outcome of the game. Bukwal, he played almost 35 minutes. He had 11 points on three of nine shooting, went two of eight from the three-point line. Not many other counting stats to speak of. It was very much a grind-out performance by both teams enduring the long break, enduring the slippery surface on the court. And it was Jonah Antonio who actually kept them in the game at crucial stages. He finished with nine points on three of seven shooting for the three-point line. Also had a couple of rebounds and an assist. You heard him speak regarding his feelings at the end of the game there. Taron Armstrong had seven points. He continues to be worked in the lineup. He also had a couple of rebounds and a couple of assists, along with three steals, doing his work at the defensive end. For Sydney, it was Jalen Adams scoring a team-high 24 points on five of three shooting. He hit an amazing 12 for 12 from the free throw line, showing how important those makes at the free throw line are. Along with his 24 points, he had four rebounds and seven assists and took the responsibility of taking the ball at the Cairns defense at the end of the game to keep them ahead. DJ Hogue started the game on fire but faded in the second half. He had a total of 12 points on 5 and 9 shooting, along with 7 rebounds and 3 assists. Also a steal and a block. Alex Tui missed a crucial free throw down the stretch to give Cairns a sniff at the end of the game there. He had 12 points on 3 of 5 shooting, went 6 of 8 from the free throw line. Overall, Sydney making 3 quarters of their shots from the free throw stripe. So they were a plus 12 from the free throw line, which was far more than 
than the margin at the end. We didn't see anything from Jonah Bolden in this game. He couldn't get it going. Zero points, four rebounds, but had a steal and a block. Jalen Galloway, he finished with 13 points on six of 13 shooting. Didn't make one from the three-point line, but had seven rebounds, a steal, and a couple of blocks. That steal coming right at the end of the game there when Patrick Miller was driving to the hoop to try and keep Cairns in it. Geordie Hunter, he had 11 points on three or four shooting, made a three, had 10 rebounds, played a decent game, which is why we probably saw the limited minutes from Jonah Bolden. Not many other counting stats to speak of. Denzel Valentine there had it going early to give Sydney that early lead, but only finished with nine points, eight rebounds, and three assists. Yeah, it was one of the strangest games. Also, one of the best games of NBL 24. Both coaches admitting to never experiencing anything like it, with Adam Ford saying he would prefer to never experience it again. He'll certainly be drilling his guys from the free throw line during the week, I think, given the amount of points they left on the table from missed free throws. Certainly can't afford to have that happen against a great side like the Sydney Kings. So with that all being said, the final score, the Sydney Kings finish on 86 and the Cairns Taipans narrowly miss out 83. Perth Wildcats have won six in a row. Right now they are the hottest team in the NBL. They're looking to make it number seven and make it eight of their last nine against the Illawarra Hawks. Back down to Froling. He swings into the corner. The Hawks have started full of energy. Wow. Or swings to Hickey. Great look for three. It rattles. Wow. Johnson, great pass to Hickey. Who nice was that? 30 to 17. Johnson! All the way in and all the way up. There we go. Young fella. Baby face. Five seconds for the Hawks to cap off a golden first quarter. Simply incredible! <laughs> you can hear John really in the Perth bench. They can sense that things are starting to turn in their direction. Great pass for Wagstaff. Robinson, all the way. Nice cotton. That defensive work on Harvey was exceptional. And then at the offensive end, turns into facilitator for Russia. Sar over the top. Six-point game. There's a deep three. He breaks a run of 12 straight points. AJ Johnson steps up with a big three. Gary Clark responds at the other end. Every time Perth get close to Illawarra, mm. they seem to find a way to have an immediate answer. For three. All of a sudden, it's a three-point shootout. Julie said Perth have come at them multiple times. Tyler Harvey might just close the door shut on any Wildcats chance of a comeback. And that's a perfect shot for him. It was a win that was set up from the opening tip. The Illawarra Hawks win their fourth game of the season. And in doing so, knock off the hottest team in the competition right now in the Perth Wildcats. All right, and the Illawarra Hawks keep it rolling against the visiting Sydney Kings. Justin Tatum has his squad revitalized with renewed energy. And as Justin Robinson quoted in 
the post-game press conference ready to run through a wall for this guy. Justin Tatum has changed the culture of this Illawarra Hawks team. They came out at the start of this game absolutely fired up and took an early lead on the Perth Wildcats who have been playing well. It was the job on Bryce Cotton that the Illawarra Hawks were able to lock in on and Bryce, while John really noted in his post-game presser that Bryce was still very effective in playmaking for his team with seven assists and zero turnovers. He was kept to seven points overall. So it was clearly a task that Justin Tatum set to the Illawarra Hawks squad to shut down Bryce as a scorer and force him to distribute the ball to his teammates to do the majority of the scoring. And I think that defensive scheme was achieved by the Hawks and that enabled them to not only get an early lead in this game, but to hold on to it throughout the contest. Bryce Cotton finished on seven points on one of nine shooting, only one of six from the three-point line, did have four rebounds, did have seven assists, and still was very effective in leading his squad. But it was up to the other guys to score, and no one else scored over 20. Jordan Usher had 17 on five of 11. Alex Starr had 13 on six of 10. Wagstaff had 13 on five of nine. But none of the other guys could really get it going against this Illawarra team. I think Justin Tatum has got through to Tyler Harvey in the respect that Harvey looked to get his teammates involved as a priority in this contest and not to do so much of his own scoring to let the game come to him and to prioritize playmaking for his teammates. He also had seven assists. He also had two steals and finished with 16 points. Personally, very glad to see Sam Froling get 30 plus minutes and see a lot of the ball in the offense. He was player of the game for me and finished on 21 points with six rebounds and a block. He was the focal point of the offense early and the Hawks had the dominance in the paint. They had 58 points in the paint to the Perth Wildcats 32 and that was clearly a focal point for the Hawks winning this game. They had a lot of other contributions. The regular contribution from Gary Clark had 17 points and 10 rebounds with five assists proving his versatility. It was Justin Tatum's rotation. He played a strict nine man rotation only limited minutes for Todd Blanchfield we didn't see any Dan Greeter we didn't see much Lachlan Ulrich but in this particular game I think that worked for the Hawks and allowed for some continuity when playing a inform team like the Perth Wildcats And I think this signals a big turnaround for Justin Tatum and the Hawks. He has given everyone a clean slate and it's up to the players on the floor to prove themselves. In this game, they did it. They absolutely did it. They kept the Perth Wildcats to 82 points and they scored 100. The first quarter was 38 to 18 in favor of the Hawks. And 
although they didn't win the second or third quarters, they finished with 27 to 17 in the fourth. So a lot of consistency there for the Hawks, a lot more commitment on the defensive end, a lot more focus inside the paint during their offensive sets, which I think gave them the advantage in this game. The Hawks are turning things around under new coach Justin Tatum, and they win 100-82. to Jackson Cartwright strikes that three. Jackson Cartwright makes his move as soon as he gets the ball, and he gets the roll. Parker Jackson Cartwright, he's got 10. Rooster Vitrus misses that three. It'll be McVeigh from three-quarter quarter. He makes it. Oh, that counts. Six to shoot. Magnate. Banks it in. <laughs> Everything going right for the Jack Jumpers. Under three to go in the second quarter. Crawford with 16. Given the room. Matiang with a closeout. It doesn't matter. It's been a good deal between those two. McVeigh and Lamb. Crawford, the four-away three. Short and Crawford's got 24. Harassed by Liafa. Putting the oh, move on him. That's super <laughs> that's quick. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's the 30 piece. 97 to 80. Tasmania come in and just absolutely destroy the breakers on their home floor. Next game up, we had the Jack Jumpers. Visiting Spark Arena to play the New Zealand Breakers, starting off well, but the Jack Jumpers showing their trademark chemistry and cohesiveness and sticking to a game plan were able to overcome the Breakers in the end. Parker Jackson Cartwright, he was a team high 25 for the Breakers, shooting 9 for 18 from the field, 4 from 8 from 3, had 6 assists, had a steal, had a couple of blocks, had an incredible game leading the team. I think Modi Mayor deserves a bit of credit here for shortening the rotation and playing the guys on the team that he thought could do the most damage to the Jack Jumpers. Anthony Lamb had 15 points on 6 of 10 shooting, also 9 rebounds and 3 assists. He's one of the pickups of the year for me. He wasn't the game-leading scorer on this occasion, but he has provided a solid piece for the Breakers in the absence of Will McDowell-White and Zylan Cheatham, who are still not playing for this Breakers side. They have had their fair share of adversity in NBL 24, but they are battling through it. You can see it in the effort they put out in these games. Finn Delaney was disappointing in this one, went one from eight from the field, only had two points and six rebounds. The Breakers are struggling, let's face it. Uh, They're looking at finishing last in the league unless they can get some players back. It's rumoured that Cheatham could be back for... The game on December 22 for the Breakers. That's when they're looking at bringing him back. Hopefully they can get him back into the rotation so that they're a bit more competitive at both ends. They were totally outplayed by the Jack Jumpers 
on this occasion. Jordan Crawford had 30 points on 9 of 28 shooting. He took a lot of the offense upon his own shoulders and wasn't incredibly efficient, but did shoot 6 of 14 from the three-point line and was a plus 20 for the team. Sean McDonald, 9 points on 3 of 10 shooting, went 3 of 6 from the three-point line. All his makes coming from beyond the three-point arc, and he was a plus 25 for the team. Jack McVeigh, 20 points on 6 of 12 shooting, shot 7 for 7 from the free throw line, had 7 rebounds and an assist. He was a plus 18. Unfortunately for the Jack Jumpers, Milton Doyle's father passed away during the week. Therefore, he was not a part of the lineup. Lockie Barker was named as his nominated replacement for this game. However, the Jack Jumpers were able to cover the loss adjusting their rotation. We wish Melton Doyle all the best, and we hope to see him back in a Jack Jumpers uniform very soon. The Jack Jumpers are just a cohesive unit, well coached by Scott Roth. They believe in themselves. They believe in their ability to win an NBL championship this year with this current lineup, and they are not wavering from that position. Will Magne had 12 points on 5 of 8 shooting, also 12 rebounds, a couple of steals and a block. He has been amazing since his return to the lineup for the Jack Jumpers and is pushing for a spot on the Australian national basketball team, the Boomers. If they're not looking at him to be part of that squad, then Basketball Australia are crazy. Majuk Deng was another good player for the Jack Jumpers. He had 14 points on 6 of 8 shooting, missed a few free throws, but had four rebounds to go with a steal and a block as well. The Breakers started well in this game, but they were totally outplayed in the following three quarters. As a team, they only scored eight for the second quarter, which is where Tasmania got the ascendancy. New Zealand consistent in the second half, scoring 24 and then 24, but were not able to make inroads after that second quarter. Dominance by the Jack Jumpers. So, despite a solid effort by the Breakers, continue to show why they are one of the best teams in the league. Playing at home or going away, they are an incredibly tough out, and they take the win on this occasion versus New Zealand, 97-80. to 80. Hang on. Whitman outside, puts it right back at him. He says three's better than two. (laughs) Four-point lead to the Snakes, back-to-back threes. Clintman for another. 14 points for Bobby Clintman. Well, he's feeling it. So 59 points, as you see on your screen. Most they've conceded this season. Humphreys making sure they're going to keep scoring, though, the 36ers. Really having a night out is Bobby Clintman, showing all his wares. DJ again from downtown and one. The Sixers have really rushed back into this game. Starling underneath. Hits. It'll go to the line to end the bonus as the Sixers are back in front. Five now for the Cairns. Tight bands to operate with. Antonio from downtown. Hands them the lead. Heading into three-quarter time. Miller with the left hand. Rolls that one high. Tosses it out to McCall. Through the lane. Beautiful find to Pat Miller. Great cut. He, he, he 
is, but a lot of the times it sticks in his hands a lot. I've just seen him throw it and go get it back rather than just dribbling it out for those tough ones. And on the glass, the Cairns tight pants. And he says good night, Adelaide. And caps a 15-point Taipans win. Oh, my. And so, in Scott Ninnis's debut as head coach for the current Adelaide 36ers lineup, he takes a loss at the hands of the Cairns Taipans in a high-scoring game, 116-101. to 101. Uh, There were some positive signs for Adelaide. Trey Kell was very productive. Uh, He had 21 points and 6 rebounds along with a couple of steals. He seemed to have his offense going early and also played over 36 minutes. I think he's the sort of player who needs the minutes to be productive. You can't bring him in to play spot minutes. He is either a starting caliber player or he is not in the lineup. But by far the best player for the 36ers was DJ Vasiljevic. He had 30 points on 10 of 26 shooting Only shooting 3 of 11 from the 3-point line, but definitely gave them a focal point on offense, which I think is an initiative of Scott Ninnis. Ninnis has indicated that he's interested in the full-time head coaching job for this Adelaide 36ers club, but the news from Adelaide is a little contrary to that. They are committed to to searching far and wide for a new head coach. They're certainly not settled on having Scott Ninnis at the helm going into NBL 25. I don't think this was a particularly negative start for Ninnis, but certainly it would seem that Adelaide don't quite have the personnel on the floor that can execute the type of game plan that Scott Ninnis is Reporting forward at this stage. It's only one game, however, so we'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out for Adelaide. Uh, Isaac Humphreys was excellent in this game. 22 points on 9 of 11 shooting. 4 of 5 from the free throw line. Had 9 rebounds and a couple of assists. He needs to definitely see the ball on offense consistently and hopefully that's what Ninnis is bringing into the game plan here. I think another thing Scott Ninnis did was limit the rotations, predominantly playing eight guys for this game, not playing Toei Smith-Milner, not playing Sunday Detch and not playing Jason Kadee, which was A little surprising. They were regular rotation guys under CJ Bruton. However, under Nittis, they don't play. And we saw an uptick in overall scoring for the 36ers. They weren't able to get the win, but the offense was certainly improved. For the Cairns Taipans, Patrick Miller was the team high 26 points on 10 of 18 shooting. He also had five assists, but probably their best player was Tajima Call. Played 38 minutes, had 19 points, shot six for 12 from the field, six for seven from the free throw line, which is a lot better than two for nine in the previous game. But he had 15 assists, which is a season high for any player in NBL 24. Admittedly, that came from the Taipans making a lot of three-point shots. They were 15 for 28 as a team, shooting 53% 
from the three-point line. They also shot 21 for 25 as a team for 84%. I think that was probably something Adam Ford was absolutely adamant that uh, was crucial to the loss in the previous game in round 10. Uh, Bobby Clintman, excellent first quarter, had 14 points in the first quarter of this game. Finished with 22 overall on 7 for 14, shooting when 4 from 8 from the three-point line and 4 for 4 from the free-throw line. He is one of the best two-way players in the NBL, let alone being a draft pick for the NBA next season. Really high ceiling. I really like watching this guy play. He's good at both ends and seems very coachable and can play his role as directed by the head coach. Jonah Antonio had 12 points on four for seven, three-point shooting. He's an absolute sniper, as he showed in the game against Sydney. And along with that, seeing an increased role in Adam Ford's rotation. Bull had 14 points on five of nine. We saw Sam Wardenberg played 28 minutes, 12 points, 9 rebounds. I think he sticks as the starting power forward for the Taipans. Josh Roberts didn't score any points, had 6 rebounds, saw a limited role in this game, but I don't think that means he'll see limited minutes in upcoming games. So an improved performance by the Adelaide 36ers, but certainly not enough to overcome the visiting Cairns Taipans, who were on fire after the game against Sydney, to be honest, and continued it on in this game, and they get the win, despite losing the paint battle 62-44 to against the Adelaide 36ers. They came out on top in the end, scoring a season high for any team, 116 points to the 36ers, 101. Great shooting there by the Cairns Taipans. Melbourne has the luxury of six players averaging double figures and then Hook Porty averaging nine as Harrison works baseline against the Wallace Jewel. You see the body? Did you see the body bang there? Just bullied a chance for the Bullets here to take the lead. McDaniel rushes. Oh! Oh! Brisbane in front for the first time. Excellent defensive play. First block of the game for Melbourne. Brisbane already with two in that category. Clark over Jude. Knocks down the three. Broken down to the offensive end in this set for Brisbane. Nothing on offer. McDaniel decides to go solo and gets a user-friendly roll. He's into double figures. So be with it. Game number 250. Again, the pass deflected. Delamadova giving him all sorts of problems at the moment. This is Krebs against Norton. Gets the job done with his first score in the game. Now Golding. One of three from the field. Make that two of four as he starts to warm up. You gotta have an Australian who knows Golding from years past to know how to guard him. Oh dear. It's Golding time. Oh dear. Look, Golding looks to the crowd and says, Are you enjoying this? I've been five out of six threes. So 12 in the game now for Ian Clark, including two of four from deep, two of two from the stripe. He continues to be that 50, 40, 90 man as Harrison throws one down. They're all alley oops and we love yeah. every one of them. Oh, speaking about getting upstairs, Joe Lawala Chul. The halfway line, Ian Clark. Now Lawala Chul marches into the paint and made it look easy. And Chris Golding's back to his old tricks. And it was.
was Chris Golding scoring 21 on 7 of 9 three-point shooting. He broke the game open in the second quarter for Melbourne United. Amazing efficiency for Chris. He is having an MVP-like season. Definitely among the top candidates for that accolade. And it was a welcome return for Ian Clark to the Melbourne United lineup. He had 14 points on 5 of 13 shooting. Della Vadova, 14 points on 6 of 10. Luke Travis had 16 on 4 of 5 shooting. He went 7 of 8 from the free throw line along with 7 rebounds and a couple of assists and a couple of steals. It was a massively disappointing game for the Brisbane Bullets who were completely outplayed from the second quarter onwards against Melbourne. The second quarter alone, Melbourne United 36 to Brisbane 16 points. Brisbane only scored 9 points in the fourth quarter. Bringing up the fourth quarter fade topic when discussing the Brisbane Bullets, what is their problem in the fourth quarter? They cannot close out games, whether they're close, whether they're a blowout. It is a serious question for this playing group. Admittedly, they were down in this game and didn't see a lot of hope of revival, but it's definitely something Justin Schuler needs to address and take care of with his group. Being that he was coaching against his mentor in Dean Vickerman, there was a lot to prove in this contest, but the Brisbane Bullets failed massively from a spectating standpoint. The game looked over at halftime with Melbourne asserting dominance in the second quarter. There wasn't one player on the Brisbane Bullets squad that scored over 12 points. Nathan Sobey, 12 points on 4 of 15 shooting, did not hit anything from beyond the arc. Sam McDaniel was very good in the initial stages of this game, but his offensive output was stamped out by Melbourne United after the first quarter. Tyler Harrison had 10 points on 5 of 5 shooting, providing some type of dominance in the paint, but it was not consistent enough through the game for Brisbane to be competitive. Chris Smith only had 7 points on 2 of 5 shooting. Where were his looks during this game? He has been on a tear of late, shooting the ball extremely well prior to this. And it was a bit confusing to me as to why they didn't look to him for more offense, especially once Brisbane were pounded during that second quarter. Now, Melbourne United are coming off a couple of losses, so they definitely came out fired up to atone for those performances at home at John Kane Arena in this one, but I don't think anyone saw a 35-point loss coming for the Brisbane Bullets, who have been much improved this season under Justin Schuler. However, he had no answers for Melbourne United. Chris Goulding shooting 
this season has been amazing. He broke the game open early for Melbourne and Brisbane were never able to find their way back. Plus, they had Ian Clark back in the lineup, which some would argue pushes this Melbourne United squad from good to great. And with solid performances by Ariel Hook-Porty, Shay Illy, Luke Travis and Matthew Delavadova, United look back to league-leading form. Not much else to say about this one. Melbourne United win convincingly and the final scoreline, 103-68. to Two of the best offensive teams in the competition. A Hunter took it straight through the chest of Alan Williams and scores. Jordy Hunter sitting on the bench with two fouls. Galloway, great take. He's made such a difference since he's come back into this team. Valentine, feet set for three. Kenyon, for the second time in the first quarter, hits the three. Everyone getting a lick of the ice cream. Come on, man. Reese Fagan has two wow. licks of the ice cream. <laughs> Williams, top of the key. Wow. He's having some sort of game. Timeout, Sydney. Alan Williams has come to play this afternoon. High scoring first half. Alan Williams has 16. Mitch Creek upstairs for Gorjak Gap. Adams for Hunter. They found a way to make it work. Creek tucked away in the corner for three. Creek steps out. It goes. Mitch Creek taking this game over. Jalen Adams doing everything he can to keep Sydney in it. Jonah Bolden, what a pass for Sean Bruce in the corner. How's the vision for the big man? Bolden, top of the key. It goes. Back to a single-figure margin. He's feeling energised. Nine points now for Jonah Bolden. Oh, and Foxwell. Important bucket. Oh, boy. Turnover off the inbound. Sean Bruce, straight down the middle. Let's see what Mike Kelly's got next. Bolden. Knocks down another one. Vague hands off to Brown. A long way from the basket. Shot clock at four. Vague wide open. Got it. Now the gauntlet has been well and truly thrown down at the Kings. Here's Valentine from outside. Shot clock at four. Kenyon on the offensive glass. Who else? Again doing the little things. Creek over the top of Hogue. That might be the dagger. Straight through the heart of the Sydney Kings. Extended pressure. Ben Air thought his way through. Mitch Creek lays it up, and that should be game. After a tumultuous week, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix hit the road and take one of their biggest scalps of the season. So, in the final matchup of round 10 in NBL 24, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix down Ruben Tarangi, down Craig Moller, down Will Cummings. Take out the Sydney Kings at Kudos Bank Arena. This is a big win by the Phoenix. They protected the ball sufficiently enough. Sydney Kings turned the ball over more than the Phoenix did. They were about a plus six in turnovers and the Phoenix capitalized on those turnovers to help them get the edge in this game. Mike Kelly pointed to an increased togetherness of the group and improved chemistry within the group. They're playing more for each other, communicating more on defense and moving the ball on offense 
to get the shots that they want to get. Coach Abdel Fattah noted in his press conference that the Sydney Kings simply did not compete hard enough, especially at the defensive end of the floor. Mitch Creek had an awesome game, played almost 32 minutes, scored 33 points on 9 of 22 shooting. He went 3 for 7 from behind the three-point line. As a team, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix shot 44%, 13 for 29, and the Kings took considerably more shots to get their 13 three-point makes. Matt Kenyon was massive, playing almost 34 minutes, scoring 10 points, hitting from downtown, getting nine rebounds, got a couple of steals, getting extra possessions for his team, which Mike Kelly noted as being very valuable as well. Alan Williams, 21 points and 15 rebounds. He also hit a three. He also had three assists and a steal. He also stayed in the game and did not foul out, which was pleasing to see for once. And Ben Eyre, playing 35 minutes, he scored 13 points on three of seven three-point shooting, had four assists and three steals. He is proving to be a valuable piece of this Southeast Melbourne Phoenix lineup week by week. Gorjak Gak played some valuable minutes. Reese Vague went four for six from downtown to get his 12 points. Owen Foxwell played 14 minutes and provided valuable spark off the bench for the Phoenix. They just had it clicking on the offensive end and shorted it up on the defensive end by playing solid D and communicating effectively. The Phoenix still did not shoot well from the free throw line. They shot 23 for 33. Yeah, too many foul shots missed there. But Mitch Creek was great. He shot 12 for 13 from the free throw line and made the most of it when he went to the line. It was a very good win by the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix who have not played well away from home this season but were able to execute the scout on the Sydney Kings very, very well. For the Kings, it was Jalen Adams doing everything he could to keep the Phoenix at bay. He had 19 points, a couple of assists. Denzel Valentine played pretty well. He had 18 points along with 8 rebounds and 3 assists. Jalen Galloway made some good defensive plays and contributed on offense for 12 points on 4 of 9 shooting. Sean Bruce off the bench, 9 points on 4 of 11. Jonah Bolden had 15 points and 15 rebounds in just over 20 minutes complementing Geordie Hunter pretty well at the centre position and stretching the Phoenix defence. DJ Hoag, disappointing game, only 7 points on 3 of 8 shooting, only knocking one three-pointer down out of 4 attempts and it was just the Kings simply not competing hard enough as the coach noted in the post-game presser. Does this signal a turnaround for the Phoenix this season? I'm not totally sure yet but this This was certainly an improvement, and this is the way that the Phoenix want to play. They're down a couple of guys. They have announced Abdel Nader as the replacement for Will Cummings. And when Mike Kelly was asked about Will Cummings, he basically said that Cummings sacked himself by not aligning himself with the values of the team. And while having a few positive things to say about Cummings, Kelly said also that it was not a hard decision in the end, indicating that they gave him every chance to align himself better with the club. But in the end, that 
wasn't the case. And it didn't matter to the Phoenix for this one anyway. They outscore the Sydney Kings in the first three quarters and keep the Kings to 94 overall. The Phoenix scoring 104 and win the game in front of 13,000 people at Kudos Bank Arena by 10. So that's it for round 10. We've got throwdown number 13 ahead in round 11 this week between United and the Phoenix. Perth are going to play Tasmania on Friday night and the Jack Jumpers also play Sydney on Sunday. They should be all massive games in round 11. Thanks very much for listening to the Garbage Time Basketball podcast. Once again, we are on Instagram at GT Basketball Pod and Twitter. Also, the same handle. And on Facebook, we're on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere you find good podcasts. My name is Rodney E. I've been your host once again for the Garbage Time Basketball Podcast. I look forward to getting in your ears next week.